are going to go to lesson 3.2, I believe. Lesson 3.2, and tonight we will talk about the earnest of our inheritance. I feel very strongly the impression of the Holy Ghost directing me in a certain way, and um, I pray that we're all seeking uh, to please the Lord and seeking for the Lord's will to be done in our life. Uh, we have no idea what's before us, and uh, we must prepare ourselves for everything that can come. And I just get concerned sometimes when I feel like things are happening in the background and, and we're not really paying attention. But I pray tonight's lesson will help us and um, that something uh, will transpire in our hearts tonight and that the Holy Ghost will do something. So I need your attention. I, I pray that you will allow God to speak to your heart tonight and that the power of God will um, help you. So I, I am going to start in the reading of the scripture with uh, Ephesians chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 13 and 14, that's Ephesians chapter 1, verses 13 and 14. So we're talking about the earnest of our inheritance. Not sure how much sometimes we allow the reality of living for Jesus escape us and we allow it to just become a storybook. I'm not sure if we um, sometimes allow that to happen because we get so consumed with the cares of this life and we allow what is supposed to be actually what's what really matters. We allow that to escape us. So I pray tonight that I will be able to bring your focus. If it's not where it needs to be, bring it to where it needs to be and your confidence and boldness. In Jesus Christ. So Ephesians chapter 1 verse 13. The earnest of our inheritance. Uh, the word of the Lord said in verse says in verse 13. In whom ye also trusted. After that ye heard the word of truth. The gospel of your salvation. In whom also after that ye believed. Ye were sealed with the with that Holy Spirit of promise which is the earnest of our inheritance. So the Holy Spirit, which was promised to us in the word of God, there's not one person walking on this earth that does not have the promise of the Holy Spirit. So you are promised to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. All of us are promised that. And so it is, the Holy Spirit is the earnest of our inheritance while we're here on earth. Because it says, until the redemption of the purchased possession unto the praise of his glory. Acts chapter 2, verse 1, very familiar passage of scripture. But it's always good to read this text because it's in the Bible. And there are different religions that still don't believe in what we're getting ready to read here. But it's in the Bible. Read it as much as you can. Because if you read it a whole lot. You will hold on to it. Acts chapter 2 verse 1 says. 
And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Uh, so often we get people to have a concern about being filled with the Holy Ghost and speaking with other tongues. All I like to say to people is, I want what the Bible says, and I want to see exactly what the Bible describes will happen. It's just that simple to me. If, if the Bible says when they first received the Holy Ghost, they spake with tongues, then I want to speak with tongues when I first received the Holy Ghost. And so, to me, that's just how I operate. I am not comfortable feeling or, or communicating that I have the Holy Ghost, but I didn't speak with tongues like the Bible folks spoke with tongues. So if the Bible folks, the first ones that received the Holy Ghost, spoke with tongues, then guess what? I want to speak with tongues. So it's important for you to understand that this is what the Bible described, and if the Bible described it as such, then you need to realize you should want it like this. I don't want to settle and says, I think I feel it. I think something may have happened. Uh-uh. I don't want to think. I want to know surely that I received the gift of the Holy Ghost by evidence of speaking with other tongues as the Spirit gave utterance. Because that's what happened with the first Christians that received the infilling of the Holy Ghost. That experience changes everything. Being filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost changes everything. The power of the Holy Ghost causes joy to, to come up in your soul. It, it, it causes you to become bold in Christ when probably you weren't bold. You, 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 you were just timid or you were laid back. But when you receive that Holy Ghost, you receive power, a surge of power where you now receive the authority or the boldness, I should say, to, to be bold in Christ. It gives you joy. It just changes everything. It's very important that we realize the power of the Holy Ghost, what it's all about, what it does for us, and why we need it. The Holy Spirit, it's a holy boldness that will grip us. The Holy Ghost may not cause you to become a bold person, per se. You may have been a low-key, laid-back person, and so you may never never been bold in your life. And I'm not promising you that you will become bold when you receive the Holy Ghost. But it will certainly make you bold in Christ and bold for Christ. We need the Holy Ghost. And we need to have it. Just the way the Bible describes it. Peter was promised that Jesus said to him, Thou art Peter, 
And upon this rock will I build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. And, 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 and God said the key to Peter, and I will give you the keys to the kingdom. But the time when God gave, gave Peter those instructions, Peter didn't have the Holy Ghost yet. Peter weren't, were, he, he just received this command from God and, and, and so many things transpired. As a matter of fact, Peter backslid at some point even after God gave him those instructions. Because without the Holy Ghost, you can't accomplish the will of God. And so, when God told him about what he would use, how he would use him, Peter believed it, but it just never happened. Not until after Peter received the gift of the Holy Ghost. Peter may, he, he, he knew he was transformed when he received the power of the Holy Ghost. He knew something was different. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you're going to know something is different. Hmm. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you're going to know life has changed for me. It's not, it's not the same. Something has happened. When, what Peter learned was on the day of Pentecost, what we still experience today, he received on the day of Pentecost. And still from then till now, we are still experiencing the outpouring of the Holy Ghost. God has not said that was just for Peter and them, but it's not for you. Because just like they spoke in tongues over 2,000 years ago, we're talking in tongues even today when we receive the Holy Ghost. So God is no respect of person. And the day we start saying, well, God gave them the Holy Ghost because they needed it at that time, but we don't need it. When we start saying that, we're starting to say God is a respecter of person. And we have read that God is no respect of person. We need the Holy Spirit to really serve the purpose of Jesus Christ. Because there's going to be times... When you are serving in God's kingdom and you don't have the Holy Ghost, you might be serving this somewhat capacity where maybe, okay, you don't need the Holy Ghost to serve in this capacity. But as you begin to serve God, at some point in time, you're going to be challenged to your core because people will always treat you like a servant because you are a servant of God. And when people treat you like a servant and you don't have the Holy Ghost, what's going to happen to you? Without exaggerating, the Holy Ghost is life transforming. It is. And somehow, sometimes we, we kinda, we, we, we don't fulfill the complete born again experience. So many people come to church and get baptized and they feel like they're okay. But that's not the complete experience. Repentance, baptism, and the infilling of the Holy Ghost is the process to be completely born again. Jesus said we must be born of the water and of the Spirit. He didn't say just water only and you're good. He says we must be born again of the water 
and of the spirit. Peter, or should I say Paul, used the metaphor of God placing his seal on us to emphasize the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So when you, when you read in Ephesians 1 and 13, where it said that we're sealed with the Holy Spirit, it's a metaphor that people, that Peter used to help us understand what it means to have the Holy Ghost. Listen to when someone, when we talk about a seal, what kind of examples we, we, we can refer to. A seal refers to a few different things. Okay? Number one, it is a wax seal placed on a document to guarantee it is genuine. So wherever you see a seal on a document, it is proving that that particular thing is genuine. So for you, you are into car. You know, some places you go, they says, we can get the aftermarket part for your car or we can get the part from the manufacturer that manufactured your car. If you get the manufacturer part, it has a seal on it of that manufacturer to prove it is that manufacturer's part. You get an aftermarket, it's going to have some other kind of written stuff on it. But if you have a Toyota, if you have a, a, a Volkswagen, whatever you have, whenever you get Volkswagen parts, it is, is something on that part that show you that is really a Volkswagen part. The Holy Ghost is a seal. It, 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 it's, in a, it, it's saying that this is genuine. Seal. It is also a mark placed on goods to be sold to show who the owner is. So again, another example of a seal, when you see a seal on any goods, it's going to tell you who the owner is. So if the seal is a seal of Toyota, you know what? That's the genuine Toyota part. Toyota owns that. And the seal will, will mark that for you. The third thing that describes a seal, it is a brand on a cattle or slave to show who the owner is. So seal shows ownership and genuineness. So you know it is the real deal. So when we receive the Holy Ghost, God is trying to show us that He is the real deal. God is trying to show us that this that you have is genuine. It's not like anything else. It's not an aftermarket Holy Ghost you have. It is a genuine, bona fide Holy Ghost that is from Almighty God. It is the earnest of our inheritance. When God seals us with his spirit, not only is he publicly revealing our faith is genuine, he is also claiming us as his very own. He has given us an experience that leaves no room for doubt of guesswork or guesswork. So, 
I told this story before and I'll tell it again because it is so profound and I was young in Christ too so I didn't realize how profound it was and the more I lived the more I realized it was profound and it was my oldest son I remember when I started going church going to church and I would go back and visit some places that I used to be in that wasn't good to be but I would go back and try to witness the people and I never forgot my oldest son was with me, and someone said, so your dad go to church there, huh? He says, yeah. He says, I go to church too. And so we're having a conversation. And so they say, well, how you know God is real? They said that to my oldest son. And he says, because I received the Holy Ghost. It was just that simple. He could only have told them what he knew. He couldn't get into all the scripture because at this time I think he probably was nine years old or something or somewhere around there. And so they want to know, how does he know God is real? And he had no deep Bible explanation to give them. He just says, because I have the Holy Ghost, I know I talked in tongues and I never used to talk in tongues before. So that's how I know God is real. Nobody was able to argue with him. Because you can't argue, no one can argue your experience. And that's why it's important that we receive the Holy Ghost so we can have it for ourselves to explain to people, listen, something has happened to me. This is something that has never happened to me and it has happened to me to change my life. We don't realize when we're walking around every day, if you are filled with the Holy Ghost, you have the power of God in you. And we live this life like we are just some underprivileged people that's barely making it and can't get ahead in life. Like we just, oh my goodness, like we can barely make it. And we don't realize that we have the Holy Ghost inside of us. When someone is baptized in the Holy Spirit... It is definitely and unmistakable to, 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 to say, to, to know that you have it. So when you receive it, you don't have to say, I think. When you talk to someone and say, I think I have the Holy Ghost, they don't have it. When they said, I'm not sure, maybe, they don't have it. It is never a maybe, but always a most definitely I have the Holy Ghost. I told you, when I receive the Holy Ghost, I'm a hard man, real man, and real man don't cry. And the Holy Ghost made me cry all the time. I said, Lord, something has really changed in me. Because you can be unemotional and you get that Holy Ghost in you working and you just become an emotional basket. Because you know something has just changed. You definitely have it. Because something has to happen. When you receive the Holy Ghost, something happened. The Holy Ghost is not, oh, I have, I have the Holy Ghost by faith, but you can't see nothing. You can't prove it. Oh, no. You have the Holy Ghost. You can prove you got the Holy Ghost. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you, but I remember... Because I was trying to plan my whole Christian life before I became a real Christian. It took me a long time to receive the Holy Ghost. But I tell you what, there was not a day that went by that I wasn't trying to seek the Lord for the Holy Ghost. And I don't know, we don't want to do, we don't want to work hard for nothing anymore these days. We don't put a lot of effort into anything anymore unless it's just, you know, money or 
material things, whatever we want to get ahead. That's the only thing we put a lot of effort in. And so people nowadays don't want to put effort in into just yielding to God and praying enough and staying, you know, even after church is over, just calling on the name of the Lord because you want to receive the Holy Ghost. Man, when I started going to church, when I didn't have the Holy Ghost, I had dreams that the rapture came and I was left because I didn't have the Holy Ghost. I didn't play around. I wanted the Holy Ghost. And I just feel for people now that come to church and it's not a big deal to them. Man, that was a big deal to me. We might be quick to say we have the Holy Ghost, but we better know it. You can't be saying, I think I, I think I got it. Something happened. No, 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 no. You better know. You better know. Now, I will say this. Receiving the Holy Ghost is great and wonderful and probably the best thing that can happen to you while you walk in this earth. But I will tell you this. It is not the finality or finale of what you will experience in God. <laughs> it's just a little taste that God has given us. The earnest of our inheritance is the beginning of our relationship with God. When you receive the Holy Ghost, or let me, before I get there, before we receive the Holy Ghost, we just live for God in obedience. And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't want you to feel like there's something wrong with that because that's just the way it is. So before you receive the Holy Ghost, you're living for God just obeying God. You, you don't have any tangible proof most of the times that, you know, who is God and what he's all about. But but you just know from just reading the word and things just make sense and you feel the power of God when the preacher preaches. So you're just following in obedience. But when you receive the Holy Ghost, you begin a real bona fide relationship with the almighty God. Because now you have God in you. You're communing with him now. And so there's one thing by just obeying and following. There's a whole different ball game with communing with God. Ephesians 1 and 14 says, Though the sealing of the Spirit is unforgettable, life-altering experience of being born again of the Spirit, it is nevertheless just the beginning of our relationship with God. When we come into church, if we don't seek the Holy Ghost, we will not enter into that deep relationship with God or we will not have the opportunity to enter into that deep relationship with God. And that's so it, it's easy to start drifting because you're not into this this real bona fide deep relationship with God because you don't have the Holy Ghost. The Holy Ghost is is, is the beginning process of taking you into a deeper relationship with God. So we should, we should seek the Lord for it. It's a gift and He will give it to you, but I'm not leaving God alone until He gives me a gift. Paul makes this clear by using another metaphor to describe the baptism of the Holy Spirit as the earnest of our inheritance. You know what earnest means? It means the down payment. 
The down payment. The Holy Ghost is a down payment from God to you. <laughs> I'm going somewhere with that. I know you're saying, what? Listen to me. When someone is selling something very valuable or important, they get an amount up front from the buyer that would guarantee the rest of the payment was coming. That's called a down payment. When you're buying your house, you put down payment. When you're buying your car, you usually put a down payment. When you're buying an expensive diamond, you put a down payment. When you're buying an expensive Rolex watch, you put a down payment. To tell the, the seller, I'm going to pay for the rest of it. Here's something to guarantee that. Down payment. The Holy Ghost is a down payment from the Almighty God, from Him to you, of what you can expect that will be coming. While you're in this world with confusion and all the things that we go through, God is letting you know, aren't we in a contract? Not really contract, but for lack of a better word. Aren't we in a relationship? Didn't I show you proof that I got more to come? Why are you giving up? Why are you getting frustrated? Why are you not trusting me when I've already given you the down payment of what to expect that will come your way eventually? And so when life gets challenging and when you when you get frustrated and when unbelief creep in, you got to remember God has given a down payment and it's called the Holy Ghost. And that tells me that greater things are on its way. And I just got to trust God and keep working through the situation because the Holy Ghost from him to me is a down payment of things to come. The point of Paul calling the baptism of the Holy Spirit in earnest is that though it is an extraordinary experience and is essential to our relationship with God, it is not the high point or the limit of our experience with God. It is actually a point to and is promise of something even greater for us in the future. So the future that awaits all of us that have the Holy Spirit is going to be greater than any service. I've been in some services where we're worshiping God and the power of God is moving. You almost operating on, on the Spirit of God. You don't even feel any strength coming from you. You just feel like, man, what is going on? The moving of the Holy Ghost is moving you and you're just experiencing the supernatural power of God. You're doing things that you know you're not capable of doing. The preacher laying hands, the saints laying hands and dancing going on and you're worshiping like you're not even in that building where you are. It's just the power of the Holy Ghost. But it's still not the greatest that you will experience in God because God has so much more that he will do in your life. It's so much more. The full salvation we will receive in heaven in the presence of God. So today, the Holy Ghost is a down payment of the presence that we will experience when we get to heaven. That's why it's so important. We're getting a taste of what will happen when we get raptured out of here, when we get into heaven and we get in the presence of God, whatever you have experienced that was so wonderful in the Holy Ghost, it can't compare to when we get to heaven and we finally are in His presence forever and ever 
and ever. And that's what we always got to think about. All of the, 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 the temptation, all of the struggles, all of the things that you have to deal with on a daily basis, the tiredness, the weariness. You just got to remember that this is not everything. This is not the finale. This is not as just good as it gets. There's so much more. This is not as good as it gets. What a promise we have. But the baptism of the Holy Spirit is more than just a promise of what is to come in the future. It is actually a foretaste in the presence of what is to come. We get a taste of it. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you get a taste of it. I don't know about you. I, I had some days. You need to try it. That's why we need to lay hands and pray for one another. I've had some days in God where I just feel like I was Superman. I don't know what Superman feel like, but I had those days where I'm just like, I feel like, like, like Peter, that my shadow can just pass you and whatever you need, you got it because the power of the Holy Ghost is just that powerful. But that can't compare. When we get into the presence of God forever. Here are a few ways in which the baptism of the Holy Spirit gives us a foretaste of heaven. First, to be in heaven is to be in the immediate presence of the undiminished glory of God. No man in this world has ever experienced the full glory of God. You can't. Your flesh can't handle it. But when we get to heaven, we will be in the full glory of God. Yes. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is not only an essential part of the new birth that makes relationship with Christ possible. It makes the presence of Christ profoundly real to us in our daily lives. Listen to me. I've read in the scripture where the Bible says the Spirit of God intercede on our behalf with mourning, moaning and groaning that cannot be uttered. And I remember some days where I says, God, I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray all the things that I need you to do because sometimes it just gets overwhelming. But if the Holy Ghost will begin to pray on my behalf, I will really appreciate it. And all of a sudden, I just feel the presence of God just over. Overtake my mind and overtake my body. And I begin to talk in the unknown tongue. And I just feel the presence of God. Because you know why? He's always interceding on our behalf. All we got to do is just ask Him. And the Holy Ghost will begin to work on your behalf. That's why He's here. We got to let Him have His way in our life. It gives, a, gives us a taste of heaven. Through the Spirit in us, the Holy Ghost, Christ is not just an idea or a doctrine, but a person powerfully present to us. We got to realize, if you really have the Holy Ghost, you treat God as a person with you. You are with him. He is with you. It's not, oh, he's not here. No, no, no. I've got him in me. He's here. I don't have to see him, but he's working. And I treat him. I talk to him like he's here. Secondly, to be in heaven is to be entirely transformed. The image of God being fully restored in us. 
The Holy Ghost is helping to restore the image of God in us. The baptism of the Holy Spirit often dramatically changes aspects of our lives immediately. But it also begins the long process of the image of God being fully restored in us as we become truly Christ-like. So we have to realize we are strangers and pilgrims in this world. The day is coming where heaven will be our home and we will forever be with Christ. If that's the case, we need help so we can continue to grow and continue to be molded and shaped for that great day. The Holy Spirit is what does that. You can't do that. You don't have the ability to mold your life and shape your life and prepare your life for eternity. You can't do it, but the Holy Ghost can help you prepare for eternity. That's why he's in you, because he's preparing you for that time, that day that's coming when you will be with him and forever be with him and be like him. Yes. We therefore rejoice in the promise that God has began a good work in us through the baptism of the Holy Spirit and will complete it when the Lord will come again. The Holy Ghost is what start that good work in you. The Holy Ghost start that work in you and is working in you to perfect you. This is why it's important for those of you that have the Holy Ghost. It's important to frequently speak with tongues as the Spirit give you the utterance. The Bible says the Holy Spirit refreshes you. The Holy Spirit renews you. So it's important to come. You can't, you can't just go through your everyday like it's no big deal. You have to let the Holy Ghost work in you because he is preparing you for the, the, the day where you're going to spend all eternity in his presence. Let the Holy Ghost prepare you. You know, we always say God is the gentleman. He never forces himself on us. He can be in you. And your life can still be a mess because you won't allow him to do anything. He gives us so many examples. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. Behold, I am in you, but I need your permission to work in your life. Uh huh. God needs your permission to work in and needs your permission for him to work in your life. If he's in your life, but you decide you've got it all under control, he'll let you get it all under control. Thirdly. To be in heaven is not an isolated experience of Christ. One person, paradise, separated from other people. No, 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 no. That's not how it's going to be. It is going to be in the presence of multitude of other believers worshiping our God. I just, I, I smile all the time because I say this. If we can't get along with each other down here, you're not going to heaven. I know we want to try to make that work some kind of way where we're not good, where we don't get along with each other. I know we try to justify it some kind of way in thinking that I'm going to heaven. No, no, no. We have to know how to get along here if we're going to get along up there. So if you're not good at getting along with people, you better start working that out now. And guess what? 
pray and said, Holy Ghost, I don't do well getting along with people. I need you to help me get along with them because I know I can't get to heaven if I can't get along with others. Because we all going to be there worshiping and praising the Lord and experiencing the joy of the Lord and all that good stuff. So we better be able to get along right here. Can you imagine having a grudge with somebody? Just say this. I know it can't happen this way. Just imagine having a grudge against somebody and we all get raptured and you in heaven having a grudge. You think God going to let that up in heaven? So that tells you we're not getting raptured if we have a grudge. We got issue with people. We can't work things out. We're not going because he's not going to have that kind of nonsense. He, he had it one time. And that dude was erased and removed instantly. Those people, well, those spirits that cause division, oh God, just, just, you know, we don't have division up here. You got to go. He proved it to us already. Lucifer and then the, the, the one third of the demons that was with him, you got to go. We don't have division in heaven. So, so we have some proof. We have precedent already set that we can't have division in heaven. So we have division down here. We're not going to heaven. But the good news, if you have the Holy Spirit, you should let him work on your behalf to help you make sure you are not the one that's causing the division. Other people may. Just make sure you're not the one doing it. Because other people will. I don't know. Some of us just hard-headed. So other people will. All you do is make sure you're not the one that's causing the division. And if you are, Holy Ghost, I'm not doing well. I'm causing division. Will you help me? Will you help me? The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a baptism into the body of Christ. You become a part of a family. You're not alone. For all the people that want to, that says church ain't necessary. Okay, I hear you. It means you're not a part of the body. If you want to stay home and everybody else gather together in the name, it means you're not a part of the body because wherever the body is, you should be there if you are a part of the body. And so people constantly, why do we have to go to church? Because when you get baptized, in water for the remission of sins in the name of Jesus Christ. And when you get baptized with the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you got baptized into a family. You are no longer by yourself. So you can't be a part of a family says, but I'm not going to be around you. Well, guess what? Right now you're causing division. And God will not allow you to be a part of his family and cause division. Division is... Serious business to God. It might seem like not a big issue to you, but dividing people. The United Pentecostal Church International, you know, I always tell you, it's the greatest, you know, oneness organization in all the world. And we've touched more places than any other organization in the world. And, you know, we've got a lot of great things. Of course, we've got a few things that probably is, is, is not altogether lovely. And we need to, you know, get them straightened out. But for the most part, we do pretty well. And one of the things I really appreciate, I really appreciate about this organization, unity is such important to them. They will not allow division. So old time people used to say, sometimes you have to give up your right to keep the peace. What they was really saying is, don't divide. I love the old time. I don't even, they, 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 they weren't.
weren't intellectual like y'all smart new new school people, but they they were saying exactly what you say today. You might have the eloquent words to say it, but they were saying it back then. When they said sometimes you got to give up your right to keep the peace, you know what they were saying? Unity and no division. That's what they were saying. Maybe they just didn't, you know, speak as eloquent as we do this time, but they knew what they were saying. And and our organization is big on that, but we have to take a page out of that book and realize as a church family, we have to make sure we're not the one that causing division. And if you feel like you're causing division, you need to deal with it so it, it's not a division that you're causing because it's not God's will that we are divided. Mm-hmm. It's important to not divide. So you're baptizing into the body. So in the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this earnest of our inheritance, we have something great now with a promise of something even greater to come. So if you're looking forward to heaven, you need the Holy Ghost. Uh Uh-huh. I will even tell you this. If you've been baptized in Jesus' name, and you've been baptized in Jesus' name for a long time, and you keep living for God faithfully, see, keep seeking the Holy Ghost. Don't let church services go by and you just like put it off like no big deal. But just keep seeking the Holy Ghost. I promise you, it's not my promise, it's really the Lord's promise, but because the Lord made the promise, I'm going to make it to you. I promise you, you will receive the Holy Ghost before you are translated into heaven. It has to be that way. So there are people, heard a few stories of people that was baptized in Jesus' name, that was living faithfully to God, but they never received the Holy Ghost. And they got sick and they were in the, in, in the hospital and they received the Holy Ghost on their hospital bed before they died because it's just God's process. You can't skirt the issue. You can't just die and just go to heaven without the Holy Ghost. God will make sure you get the Holy Ghost. He is just that kind of God. He always prepares for the what's to come. He always prepares. He even prepared by having John the Baptist coming and paving the way for him to come. So our God is a God of preparation. He just don't throw you into it. He prepares you. That's why if you've been chosen, or let me not use that word because we've all been chosen. If you've been called by God to do some specific ministry in the kingdom of God... It's not going to take you by surprise when God finally manifested to you because you're going to be able to look back in your life and say, oh, yeah, I did do that. It's like God won't call a preacher to be a preacher if that preacher was never involved in reaching lost people. Why would he do that? Because the preacher's job is to reach lost people and to shepherd them when they come into church. So if you're not involved in that, if you're not passionate about reaching lost people, he can't allow you to be a pastor. Let me not say preacher. He can't allow you to be a pastor because that's what you essentially going to have to love and want and, and do for the whole time you're pastoring. And any pastor that start getting tired of people and don't want to deal with people and don't want to reach people, their pastoral ship is up. I'm just telling you the truth because that's what God is all about. But God will always prepare the way. So by the time you get to a certain place, you can look back and say, I know I heard something from the Lord or I felt something in my heart to do something. You will know it's of God 
when you see the way the way was prepared already. But if you look back and you can't see anything that God was preparing you for for that purpose, then you know that wasn't God. Because God prepares you. He prepares the way. When you get to that point of, okay, let me just walk through the door, it's because the breadcrumbs, the trail was already set before you. But if, it, if you don't see no trail, but all of a sudden you want to think God is doing something, you, you better rethink. You better rethink. We have the Holy Ghost, and that's great, but there's greater to come. The now and the not yet of our salvation. It is a reoccurring theme in the Bible. The now and the not yet of our salvation. Because now is great, but there's still greater to come. And we have to keep that in mind. There's still greater to come. This is not it, but we better enjoy this. If we're not enjoying this, why should God allow us to get into heaven? Let's just stop and think about that. If we're not enjoying this, if heaven is not better to you than everything else in that world, in this world, why, why do you need to go to heaven? This is why, oh Lord, this is why Lot's wife got in trouble. Leaving out of Sodom and Gomorrah wasn't that pressing to her. That was not too bad, Sodom and Gomorrah. She was okay with it. Okay, then if you're okay, then stay there. <laughs> okay if you're okay with it then stay here we have to live our life like I'm not okay staying here we live it like we're okay with this and this is why oh God help me sometimes this is why I myself look and I shake my head like people don't understand you cannot be so comfortable with this world and ever leave this world we have lots of wife so keep on, if you live your life like this is more important to you being here than getting out of here, then maybe you will spend, well, you ain't going to spend eternity here because this is going to pass away. But you won't spend eternity in heaven because that's how you're living your life. You have to start living this life like, please, I can, I can care less about this world. Because it doesn't have anything to offer me. That's how we have to live our life. I can care a nickel about this world because it has nothing to offer me. But if we live our life like this world is everything to us. We have to put the line of demarcation. Relationships and this world. Relationships and this world. Because here's the story. People are going to heaven. This world is going to be destroyed. So you don't want to get entangled with this world and this world system, but you want to have relationship with people because people will go to heaven, but this world will be destroyed. So you don't want to be entangled with something that's going to be destroyed. And to take it a step further, if somebody decide that they want to go to hell and they don't want to go to heaven, I'm not going to be entangled with you because you're not going where I'm going. And the way you living, I'm not trying to live that way. So guess what? You go ahead and live the way you want and I'll see you and wave from afar. Hey! Good to see you. Because you're not planning to go where I'm going, so I don't need to be with you. Just as we can say we are saved now, we can also say we shall be saved 
then. So salvation as we're walking in it don't mean we're going to end up saved unless we continue walking in the ways of the Lord. The Apostle John expressed it this way. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. And it does not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him. For we shall see him as he is. We are the children of God. Now, and do know him. We are saved. But one day, our knowledge of him will be perfected when we see him as he is. Now, we are striving to be more Christ-like. But then, we will be fully like him in the world to come. And being like him will be nothing short of being utterly transformed. We're going to be totally transformed. But it starts with where we are right now, having the Holy Ghost, allowing the Holy Ghost to work in us, allowing the Holy Ghost to shape us and mold us, allowing the power of God to work through us. We have to start right now. If we don't have the Holy Ghost, we should never, man, we should never sleep. I remember in the basement of my mother's house and living for God, and I would just kneel down at night at my bedside praying for the Holy Ghost and no Holy Ghost. But I wouldn't stop. I wouldn't stop. So I'm going to get this Holy Ghost because I read what the Bible says. And if the Bible says it, I want it. I'm not playing games. We have all known great victory, but also great defeat. We can experience something truly extraordinary in the Holy Ghost right now. But the reason the now of our salvation is not as good as it gets is because our experience of God Though it is wonderful, it is still incomplete, partial, marred by our sinful nature. We are allowing our sinful nature and all of the things that we have experienced to mar the power of God and even the Holy Ghost working in our life. Yeah, that's a big issue. That's a big issue. We go around and because we make mistakes and we're not perfect, we think the Holy Ghost is not real. When that's just us just having weak moments. When that's just us being disobedient. The Holy Ghost is still real, my brothers and sisters. The Holy Ghost is still powerful. It may seem to Peter at the end of the day of Pentecost that life could not get any better. Might seem like that, Brother Tom, when you receive the Holy Ghost, like, man, this is so good. Life can't get any better than this. But I got to tell you, there's greater to come. I know we fail God sometimes. I know we struggle in this flesh. But the Holy Ghost is real. And there's still so much more to come. Even though we really can know God now, it is still important that we look forward to knowing him completely. 
And even though we know God now, we still don't know him all the way. Struggling with our fallen nature and struggling with other people's fallen nature doesn't mean the Holy Ghost is not real. We are sometimes overwhelmed with the things of this world, but it still don't mean the Holy Ghost is not real. We have to allow the Holy Ghost to work in us. We need to say, Jesus, you are in me. Greater is he. We like to quote scriptures and we don't want to give credence to the scripture. The Bible says greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. Okay, so when the difficult time coming, you walking in full of the Holy Ghost, why don't you let the greater that is in you just begin to operate in you? Why are we allowing it to just get us down and allowing us to get frustrated and feel like, oh my goodness, the Holy Ghost can't be real if this is happening. If God is real, why is this happening? If I got the Holy Ghost, why do I feel like this? Invite somebody to church Sunday. Invite somebody to church Sunday. I'm going to help you real good Sunday. Got a real good word for you Sunday. Invite somebody to church. You will be blessed by the word of God. Any questions tonight? Holy Ghost power needs to work in us if we're going to continue to defeat our adversaries and continue to have victory upon top of victories upon top of victories. That's one thing you got to know. You got to know. You got to know when you have the Holy Ghost. I have the Holy Ghost. I'm going to be fine. Right now is a tough moment, but I'm going to be fine. I have God in me. We have to know that. And if we don't have God in us, we got to get God in us. We got to look to him and pray down until the Holy Ghost just consume us. He promised it. He promised it before Peter preached it in the book of Acts. It was promised to us in Joel chapter 2. So God promised a long time ago and prophesied that we will receive the Holy Spirit. And then he gave it to us, down payment. He gave us the down payment of what we need to look forward to when we finally get out of here. Don't let nothing get you discouraged and get you so down that you give up on God, that you go in the wrong direction, that you fall prey to your enemy. You got to know that God is greater than anything else. God is greater than you, greater than anybody in this world, out of this world. There's nobody greater, and he's living inside of you. And if you don't have him living inside of you, get him living inside of you. What do you think it will be like seeing Jesus face to face for the first time? I can tell you this. Start practicing now. This is why it's important when we read the word, we got to make it literally like that's God. In the beginning was the word. And the word was with God and the word was God. And so the bottom line is if we will treat this word as sacred. As what it is, then when we see God. You will know how to respond. Let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We appreciate your kindness and goodness towards us. Help us to not overlook this earnest of our inheritance. For God, you have given us the 